0: Welcome to a podcast by Grantmakers in the Arts, a national membership association of public and private arts and culture funders. I'm Sherilyn Seely, GIA's senior program manager. GIA members have been working together to promote and improve funding for individual artists for over 20 years. The Support for Individual Artists Committee has been one of the most active groups of funders within GIA. The committee has been an incubator for projects, including a scan of scholarly research on artist support, a visual timeline outlining the history of artist support funding, major publications, and other programs that you'll hear more about from our guests. In this podcast, our Support for Individual Artists Committee co-chairs, C. Scott Fitz, artist development director, South Carolina Arts Commission, and Celeste Smith, senior program officer for arts and culture at the Pittsburgh Foundation, will give you a snapshot of what the committee has been working on and what you can look forward to for this year. We're also taking a deep dive into our theme for 2022, mental health and health care for artists, and we'll hear from special guest Dr. David Fakunle, CEO of Discover Me, Recover Me and adjunct assistant professor of the University of Florida. So let's get started. Thank you all so much for joining us and I'll kick it over to our co-chairs Celeste and C. How are you today?
1: Good, good. How are -hmm. you?
0: I am doing well, so let us know how you're showing up today and take some time to introduce yourselves.
1: Well, um, I guess I would say I'm showing up thoughtful today. Um, I'm even kind of pensive because it's a time where we are finding ourselves in the midst of a holy time for all of the three Abrahamic religions. And so, you know, it's a time where, you know, um, just thinking about the unity of perspective in this time. um, I am Celeste, I am a a wife, a mother, a sister, a daughter, an artist served on boards, arts admin. Um, I come to GS Senior Program Officer for Arts and Culture with the Pittsburgh Foundation. And I think the most important title for this moment is that I am a coach here. So I'm gonna pass the mic to my girl C and tell you a little <laughs> bit more about uh, herself.
2: Uh, thanks, sis. Um, hello, everyone. I am so happy to be on this uh, podcast with all of you and to be in conversation. I am showing up um, grateful today. I'm feeling just grateful and. Thankful for um, my health and my family and my friends. And just, uh, that's how I'm feeling at this moment. Uh, I am a wife, mother, um, daughter, artist, poet, chef, curator. And I. Uh, one of the things that I would say that I absolutely love as uh, artist development director for the South Carolina Arts Commission is working with individual artists, all disciplines, um, all levels, uh, getting opportunities, grants, fellowships, you know, into their hands and uh, developing new projects. So, And I am honored to be co-chairing this committee with uh, Celeste Smith and to be able to work with Cheryl Lynn Seeley grantmakers in the arts.
0: Thank you. Um, And so we'll just dive in from here. So when we last released a podcast um, from the committee, we were discussing a lot of different topics, including the feeling of belonging. We talked a lot about um, immigration. We were working on a data project, and we were also exploring the Jerome Foundation's racial equity tool. And since then, we have explored a lot of other topics. Um, So can you just kind of give us an update on some of the things that we've been talking about as a committee since you all came into leadership?
2: Yeah, I can um, start us off. I joined back in 2020. And um, man, what a year. (laughs) <laughs> um, we, one of the, some of the highlights that we've discussed during that time were uh, artists as leaders and decision makers. And part of the reason why that came up was that we were uh, recognizing that part of the, part of the problem and maybe even, well, part of the challenge and even the problem is that you've got people that don't know nothing. <laughs> that's my grandmother said, don't know nothing about art in these positions of power, making decisions for artists, making um, in these positions where they're making decisions that are going to affect the artist's ability to flourish, to grow, to earn income, to have access to uh, work or a livelihood. And so one of the ideas that came up was definitely artists as leaders in these decision-making roles. Um, The other, Thing that we, one of the other things that we discussed was um, public, the public sector, and having artists at the table. Again, this is kind of for me like one kind of feeds into the other. I see them kind of like um, working together um, because you have you know the private sector and then you have this like the public sector, both having different roles in terms of funding and um, grant making capabilities, but the common denominator again with uh, with even the public sector is where the artists in this, this equation. And so that was definitely something that we, we talked about. And then what does civic engagement look like for artists? Uh, I have uh, seen from personal experience over the last 20 or 25 years that sometimes uh, there are artists or artists are interested in being more civically engaged and and taking on more advocacy roles, but they really don't know how to get in there or what that what that could look like.
0: That's great. Thank you so much, C. Um, Celeste, can you share a little bit more?
1: Sure. Um, I got my promotion to co chair in 2021, <laughs> and I want to say, like in this time frame, we saw um, and built with like people from all over the field. We, you know. Artist thrivability is the first focus of our work, um, but we spoke to practitioners in the field to help us get a better understanding of how not to get in our own way. We talked to members of the philanthropic community who work alongside, C. Sherylyn and I on the, the committee. And we talked to those who are a part of the Hive, which is our extended family of philanthropic community to help us think the topics. So once a month, we parse topics that the field is working through. And in 2021, we talked about challenging complacency in the field, Um, white supremacy and how it shows up in arts funding. We talked about solidarity, not charity. We do some power dynamics uh, between funders and artists or any other power dynamics that um, exist in the field. Um, We talked about advocating for increased funding and challenging systems definitions of what artists are. Um, We talked about supporting basic needs and taking a mentality of more as come as you are, not as shrink to fit philanthropy. Um, So we had like a a plethora of conversations last year and our discussions culminated in a conversation about building wealth and reparations for artists. And we presented on this topic at the GIA pre-conference where we took it all the way back to our beginning um, and then took it all the way further, taking a page from our patron, St. Octavia Butler, to envision what a future looks like for us. what we did know and we found out is that we cannot have a conversation about thrivability of artists, sustainability of artists, financial health, without addressing the very real through line of artists' health, whether it's physical, mental, or even spiritual. We have to talk about this, these topics, and we have to talk about them from a historical, current, and future perspective, which takes us into our topic, healthcare, mental health healthcare, uh, physical health care for artists, and the needs of artists specifically from today and beyond.
0: That's great. Thank you so much for that. So before before we transition, I do want to push a little bit further. The topic of arts and health and mental health and healthcare for for individual artists is one that has continued to come up over the past few years. And so what are some of the things that you both have seen come up in conversations amongst the committee and in your own work as it relates to mental health and healthcare for artists? Kind of like, why is this such a big topic for us this year?
1: I
2: feel like, um, you know, one of the things that I've seen, that's come up for me. And then in my conversations with artists is Celeste, you kind of touched on this when you were talking about basic needs, having your, your basic needs met, but as creatives, we can't even get our head around doing our work, doing our creative work. If, we're all like if our mind is all twisted. If we if we don't have healthcare and shit, like if we can't get like just basic things that we need to function as humans, mm-hmm. as and, and as citizens, um, we can't even get to the work that we are designed to do. So, for me, what I see and what I am thinking about is this is something that. Is essential, and we have got to figure it out. Like serious, yeah, um, yeah.
1: Thanks, C. Yeah, I'm in, in complete agreement with C. And I, you know, I also wanted to elevate another uh, topic that came up, um, even even in our most recent Hive call, which is about arts administrators. Um, I I have a family, I live in a family of artists. My husband is a, a, you know, an independent, you know, artist. And I always be like, everybody needs a Celeste, right? Because can't nobody do it by itself. And when we think about whether it's um, you're, you know, working as an individual artist or you're working in an organization supporting individual artists, you know, but everybody has somebody when you're talking about the work that needs to be done, COVID impacted those other people that are part of this artist family, whether relatives or related by the work, right? And so the question came up, like, what can we get, you know, a little conversation about the self-care, right? Because like we know Beyonce is a whole business, right? And so all (laughs) those people that's working with Beyonce, who, who's supporting them, right? Because they got to be, you know, they got to be healthy, they got to be taken care of as well, um, you know, as they move forward. And so as we think about how we fund artists, we also have to be very honest about how we support those who support artists, because it's all connected.
0: That's great. Thanks, Celeste. And with that, I would like to invite you into the conversation, David, introduce yourself and share how you're showing up today.
3: Cool. was no, a pleasure to be here. So Greetings, everyone. I am showing up as I am, <laughs> honestly. Uh, but you know, David, today is pretty cool, pretty chill. It's four twenty. That's pretty dope.
1: <laughs> hey.
3: That's
1: <laughs> great. Up real chill. We showing up real chill today.
3: But no, I'm, I'm doing alright today. I'm doing okay. So I am uh, a son. Proud son of Baba Taiwo and Dr. Mama Deborah. I am uh, Dr. Mary's uh, brother. Uh, as I say, she's the smarter one of us, too. Uh, I am Doralee's husband. I am Cruz Matisse's father. And above all else, uh, in addition to those things, I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And for me, I apply my storytelling in any way possible, in any way, uh, any space that's open to me. So as a, a researcher, as a practitioner, Uh, as a healer, as someone who needs to be healed. Storytelling, storytelling, storytelling for me. Um, So I I call myself a mercenary for change because that's just the best way to describe all the things that I do. So, yes, I love to be compensated uh, for the things that I do, either in money or relationships, and both are valuable in different ways. And it's about change. It's about elevating people to be the best version of themselves. And, yes, that's selfish because I want to be the best version of myself. And what I've learned is the best way to be the best version of myself is to help other people be the best version of themselves. So I I like to think it's selfish, but it's also a uh, symbiotic relationship. Uh, For me to be me, I need others. And, you know, my life continues to be, I think, a demonstration of the importance of the relationships and cultivating healthy relationships. So, yeah, I'm an arts and public health guy. And, and I love to show that everything I do is not new. Uh, I love the fact that I'm just bringing the traditions of my ancestors and my ancestry to this space and saying, see, they were right. <laughs> uh, and we need to just listen to them. Uh, so if I serve any other purpose than just telling people listen to their ancestors, then cool, I'm, I'm down with that.
0: Awesome. Thank you for that, David. So. As you mentioned, your work is positioned at that intersection, um, and you do a lot of work in that area, from being a professor, from being an artist yourself, storyteller, arts administrator, CEO, the list goes on. Um, And when we typically, when people talk about um, work and projects that are at the intersection of arts and health, And, you know, they think about the mental health benefits um, of practicing art or practicing an art form, maybe, you know, a long day at work, um, long day at the office, I'm going to go take a dance class, I'm going to go take a painting class. And like, that's a lot of the time, like what people are talking about when they're thinking about mental health. But obviously, we know that it's definitely there's a lot more to that and there's there are a lot of other perspectives that need to come into the conversation if we're talking about supporting um mental health and health for artists and within the arts as a as a whole so can you offer some um perspective on this what should people be thinking about um and paying attention to
3: i pride myself in helping the audiences that i that i serve see the commonality in our experience And when it comes to the health and well-being, not just mental health, but overall health and well-being of artists, it's no different than the overall health and well-being needs of of other people. So we need to give space where we can detach, and I think for artists that might be a difficult thing to do, detach from our art, detach from our creativity, because those of us who uh, use that as our economy, well, you know, that's what defines us in a lot of ways. That, that is how we take care of the bills. That's how we take care of our family. But you still need those opportunities to just be yourself. And I know that sounds like cliche and corny, just be yourself, but it's like really, really true. Like truly be yourself. And, and to me, that means everything that comes with, with being yourself, uh, the things that may be beneficial, not so beneficial, uh, the things that are works in progress, which we all are, it's it's critical to find balance, and this is coming from somebody who, you know, Sherilyn, as you said, I do a lot, and, and there are consequences to doing a lot. Uh, the consequence is that I am not the best at finding that balance. Uh, my family will tell you it is a work in progress. Uh, I am not as healthy as I could be because of the work that I do, so it is about finding balance, and for me, finding balance is having the ability to say no. I'm sure a lot of artists are in a situation where they would love to say no and be comfortable saying no, because <laughs> saying no doesn't make or break their career. It doesn't make or break their livelihood. It doesn't make or break their overall health and well-being. They're doing it for the sake of their health and well-being. But how many artists are in a position where they feel comfortable saying no? So there's always the need for more support from a financial and economic standpoint. You know, Let's not ignore the, the elephant in that room. But it also creating opportunities where, again, artists, culture bearers can, even for a moment, and even for a moment, live life outside of their practice. Because, again, so many of us are defined by that practice. I am a storyteller. I am a drummer. I am a musician. I am a sculptor. Like, that is our raison d'etre. It is who we are. And that's great to one extent. But then we all have those moments where we need to say, you know what, let me not be defined by that for at least a moment. Let me just be David. Let me just be Sherilyn. Let me just be C. Let me just be Celeste. And even figure out what that even means to be those things. You know what I mean? Because we have to have those conversations with ourselves. Like, we ultimately define what that means. So that all comes down to time and opportunity. Can people afford, literally <laughs> and figuratively, to have the time to figure out who they truly are?
0: Mm-hmm. That's the
3: kind of support that, that many artists need. Uh, you know, for me, I don't like that whole starving artist thing. Uh, we can—I feel like we're in <laughs> a position to move past that. You know what I mean? Yeah, you yeah. can be successful as an artist and still be who you are, and have opportunities to just be who you are.
0: Thank you, David. So we first met in 2020 when you joined us um, with Jamie Hand and Tasha Golden, where we talked about the field scan that you did um, with Art Place and what communities, what communities need, and what you know. We also as all GIA programs do, looked at funders, like what do funders need to be looking at in terms of like what communities need to support um, artists and to ensure um, healthy healthier communities through the lens of supporting art. And I don't know if there's anything that you can recall from that field scan that you're still having conversations about today or grappling with today, um, in addition to what you said, that you think might be useful for, f- from your perspective, especially because you are, you are an artist yourself, that might be useful for listeners to hear
3: right now? Ooh, <laughs> I'm gonna try my best to remember. But well, what I can say is that my message is still fairly consistent, you know, mm-hmm. two years later. Um, it's a good thing on one hand, because it means people still wanna listen to that message. It's, it's problematic because at some point I shouldn't need to say it anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So, um, you know, 2020 was a seminal moment, not just in my life, in my career, but for a lot of people. It was a it was a watershed moment. It was a time point that will mark in the annals of human history. It just meant that much. In the realm of of arts and health, it presented an opportunity for people to really embrace and acknowledge how important this is. Uh, I can say this specifically from a storytelling standpoint. If I really wanted to make a CV of just post-2020 stuff I did, mm-hmm. I could. Wow. And to me, mm-hmm. that's simply a demonstration of how much people recognize the necessity, not even the, the beyond value, beyond, you know, it's nice, no, the necessity mm-hmm. of storytelling, how mm-hmm. elemental it is to the navigation of the human experience. 2020 and everything that came with that year, and I'll say it, forced people to have this conversation it forced people to come to this realization because as we've seen they probably wouldn't have come to it any other way a lot of times we have to be forced to do something to to get it you know what i mean learn to learn the lesson the hard way as opposed to the easy way so a lot of us learned it the hard way and and the consequence one of which uh, i would say ultimately beneficial is this seeking of arts and culture uh to help understand uh to help understand our feelings our thoughts where we could even possibly go from here and yes the intersectionality With public health was very pronounced and remains very pronounced the the needs are the same uh to the funders out there to the people that want to support the work of, of arts and health there just needs to be more support period and i would say support that allows the artists and culture bearers to do what they do and i truly mean that part do what they do because as I continue to navigate this space, and I tell people, I've only officially been in the arts and health space for three years, but I've been in arts and health my entire life. Okay. But it wasn't until three years ago that I realized that my whole life, really, I was meant to do this. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's no longer a surprise to me that I'm in this space because, you know, ask my mom, ask my dad. It's like, yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> like, he was meant to be an artist in in the health space. So... I want my, my crusade, if I have one, is to go to all those artists and culture bearers in Baltimore, where I'm from, and just all across the country, and say, you belong in public health. You always belonged in public health. You were always meant to be here. And what you bring is exactly what this space needs. 2020 was the moment people started to finally accept that reality. So now the support needs to kind of mimic that reality and that acknowledgement that yeah we need the drummers we need the griots we need the quilters we need all of those culture bearers those who bring the traditions that those who bring the practices of their people of our people into this space yep you are exactly what was missing and now we need to make sure you can continue to do this work and flourish in this space and grow this space so none of this stuff should literally or figuratively die with anyone anymore Mm-hmm. Everything needs to be passed down. This is our opportunity to reestablish the traditions in 2022 moving forward.
0: That's great. Thank you, David. And I, I would like to bring you in, Celeste, and see because I'm thinking right now about, you know, we know more funding needs to happen. We know that more funding beyond project support needs to happen. We have to center the the artist as a human being, as a laborer. And so if you could kind of speak to the funders who are listening, what are some of the things that you would encourage funders to look more closely at? You both have the experience of going through supporting an individual artist and thinking beyond the project. So what would you encourage others who, who are currently funding individual artists to think about in the space of mental health and, and health care?
1: You know, I think about um, a lot of times artists are put in this little art box over here to the side. And um, to David's point earlier, you know, like we still need all of that, you know, stuff everybody else needs, right? And so I think like the biggest consideration I would ask for funders to think about is that artists are people too, like, this ain't we ain't a a hobby over here. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) this is a through line, right? And so we need basic needs and we don't write a poem about it, right? We're the laborers and we'll write a song about it. We're the mothers and we'll choreograph a dance around it. You know, we're scientists and we will write a play about it. So, you know, I could go like on and on, but my point is, is that if we weave all these through lines together, what type of community, what type of world could we have? And so just remembering the artist as a whole person, you know what I mean? And and like we all introduced with our different titles and our different manifestations of how we show up in the world. So too are the people that we work alongside with as artists. And so that's what I would, you know, just encourage people to remember. Um, And when we support, we're not just supporting projects, but we are supporting the livelihood and the existence and the thrivability and the person writ large.
0: Thanks, Celeste. anything to add?
2: One of the things that I would say to funders is um, to think about, to be more mindful about accessibility. Mm. And I'm saying that because I'm thinking, or what I I see is uh, out there in the field is the same folks Keep getting the money, and um, and at the same time, what I hear is, well, you know, we put it out there, we're just not getting, we're not able to reach those artists, we're not able to reach those people. Well, it's not, it's none of this, you know, if we, if you build it, they will come. You have to go get them. And so when I'm talking about when I say mindfulness and as it as it relates to accessibility, I'm saying that one of the things that can Kind of get funders on the path, you know, to, to more equity and accessibility and all those, you know, terms that are flowing around out there is to maybe think about doing things differently. You can't continue doing things the same way and expecting a different result. So that was, that would be what I would say.
0: That's great. Thank you. Thank you, C, for bringing that in. And a subject of accessibility. Um, that's crucial. And before we go, I want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to share any final words, any last insights um, that you want people to hear. Ooh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully it's not the last time people hear my voice. I almost feel like a eulogy or something. Last <laughs> <laughs> words of my existence. I don't know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> last words of the podcast. <laughs> so uh, I would just say uh, to my artists out there, uh, continue to do the work. It is being recognized. It is appreciated. It is necessary. And if I do anything in my power, is to elevate that recognition so that you get the support you always deserve. Uh, to me, there's nothing more that you all have to prove. You've proven it. Now it's our job to convey the language. Uh, to the funders out there, get your head out of your ass. Real talk. Um, don't make this harder than it needs to be. There are enough challenges in this world that we need to focus on that we don't need to get caught up in minutiae and you know rigmarole and you know whatever other terms you want to put out there. There are people who are doing the work. They're doing it well. Pay them. Pay them well so that they can take care of themselves, so that they can help other people do it. And you know what? Other people will join in. That's how we build a healthy economy. You see how this works for everybody? You know what I mean? So, again, get your head out of your ass. Uh, uh, Who else? Who else do I need to talk to? Patrons. (laughs) Researchers like me. Researchers, great. Yes, researchers like me. Also get your head out of your ass. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The way that arts and culture works is not, is not in alignment with the way that science currently operates. That's not arts and culture's fault. That's science's fault. So what I'm saying is believe the stories. There are no statistics out there that are going to capture the essence, that are going to capture the transformation of any artistic or cultural practice. I've been doing it for a long time, and I guarantee you, ain't no paper that can replicate the experience of being around African drumming, African dancing, black storytelling. Just ain't. The stories would be would be the best the best evidence you can find. So accept the stories. Think about how we can build around the stories. The stories are the data. Let's utilize it. That's great.
1: Um, I guess I would say that um, a colleague of mine, when I first started in philanthropy, her name is Michelle McMurray, she said, it's all made up. And so, you know, we stick to a rule book that is all made up. And so it's this, you know, this uh, line of work is about making stuff up. Let's make some stuff up. Yeah, you know I mean that is more equitable, right? That is, you know, based on the data, based on the storytelling. You know, um, I think it's important to acknowledge that there is, you know, even like final kind of reports ain't even legally necessary so what does it look like to do away with that in the spaces where it's not right and so that's what you know i would say um to funders is look and see what is actually necessary and for artists again i would just say do not shrink yourself to fit philanthropy philanthropy has to meet you where you are
0: thanks last see
1: um only thing that i'm thinking
2: right now is um i would that i would say to funders is Stop saying that this is how it's always been done. Because mm. what we used to do, used to do, used to be, used to do, that don't live here anymore. It's gone. So stop and um, recognize that this is a chance to create what is needed and necessary.
0: That's great. Thank you. Thank you for that, C. And thank you all for all of your insights. Very powerful mic drop moments that we've got here. Um, And to our listeners, we look forward to continuing these conversations. So be sure to tune in to our future episodes um, of the Support for Individual Artists Committee podcast that you'll see coming out this year. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at GI Arts, Twitter at GI Arts, and Instagram at Gritmakers in the Arts. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me, Sherilyn Seeley at Sherilyn at GIArts.org. And thank you so much for listening.